Well, good morning, CrossFit Church. I want to start this morning to talk about, I don't know about you, but this time of year is really kind of exciting. You know, it's the new start of a school year. You know, I don't know if you remember, I know we all can remember at least one time when you started school back up again. Maybe it was when you got new shoes, maybe it was a new teacher, maybe it was new friends. Either way, you remember it because it was a fresh start. It was a new beginning, right? Let me tell you, I specifically remember when I first started third grade. You see, I was so excited to start third grade because in second grade, I was a troublemaker. I got in trouble a lot, but probably not for what you'd think I got in trouble for. You see, I got in trouble a lot because I talked too much in class. Me, talk too much? Nah, never, right? If you know me, I like to talk. So, but my teacher didn't really know what to do with me. And so she tried some things, but one of the things she tried was she moved my desk. And she thought, well, if I move his desk over here, he won't talk to those people because he doesn't really know them. Well, let me tell you, I made new friends. I had awesome new friends. And let me tell you, for weeks, it was, all right, we're going to move him here. We're going to try there. Okay, it's not working. Why isn't this working? He's still talking. It got to the point where the teacher called my uh, mom and dad. What do I do with him? And my mom and dad are like, I don't know, he just talks. And so then one day I walked into class. I don't remember when this was, but I just remember walking into class. And my desk wasn't where it was the day before. But I couldn't find my desk. And I'm like, oh, goody, now I'm really in trouble. And all of a sudden I turned to the front of the classroom. And my teacher is standing like this. My desk was right next to the board. She thought, oh, well, if I put him right here, he can't talk to anybody, right? Like, you're away from all the kids. Wrong. I talked to her. (laughs) So instead of paying attention in class while she's teaching, I'm sitting there asking her questions about her life. You know, what's your favorite color, Mrs., you know, and why are you teaching it like that? And Yeah, let's just say that by the end of second grade, I needed a new start, and I needed it fast. Because all of a sudden, all of the other teachers were getting to know Trevor Teeple as the talker. So, going into my third grade year, I knew that I had a new opportunity. Now, I didn't fully capitalize on it, just to preface, but I had a new opportunity. I had a new chance, a new start. Well, this morning, we are going to actually learn and hear about the newness that comes for you as a believer in Christ. We're going to learn about the new start that you get when you believe in Jesus. So with that, we open your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 17. That is where we will spend the bulk of our time this morning. Um, But as you flip there, if you don't know where it is, go to the New Testament, go past all the Gospels. Don't go right past Acts, but don't go past Acts, because if you go too far, then you just missed Romans. But with that, before we begin this morning, would you pray with me? Dear Holy Father, Lord, I thank you 
for who you are. Father, we can praise you because you are the one true God. And Father, this morning, would you be at work in speaking through this time? Lord, let it not be my words, but let it be yours. Ultimately, Lord, that you would be glorified and you would be praised. And Father, if I say something that's not of you, let it turn on deaf ears. I thank you, Father, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, as we begin this morning, if you look at the first word of Romans chapter 8, you'll notice that there's a word, therefore. The word therefore means that we can't really go forward without looking backwards. Because if we go forward, we might understand it, but it has a fuller context. We have to look back at chapter 7. And Pastor Kale, if you were here last week, did such a great job on talking about this. Um, But this morning, I want to specifically look at verses 24 and 25, the end of chapter 7. And if you're on your phone and you don't want to keep jumping back and forth, I'm putting chapter 7, those two verses on the screen. So chapter 7 ends with, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, if Paul had ended the book of Romans with verse 24, do you find any hope? Do you find joy? Let me say it again. Just verse 24. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? All that it gives you is death and brokenness and no hope. I don't know about you, but that would be the worst way to end the book of Romans. Luckily, Paul doesn't end there. You see, he goes forward with the first part of verse 25 and then into chapter 8 when he says, Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now look with me at verses 1 through 4 of chapter 8. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You see, his point here as he begins into chapter 8 is to say that believers in Jesus are no longer condemned. They are now set free from the law and power of sin and death. Now, I want to take a second here to stop and say that if you are sitting here this morning or you are watching online and you have never trusted Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, Today is the day for you to take that step of faith. You see, Jesus was, as Paul says, the sin offering. He condemned sin so that if you believe in him, you would no longer be condemned, but actually would be found in him. Let me tell you, that is the greatest news you will ever hear for the rest of today, no matter what happens. Actually, it's the greatest news you'll ever hear for the rest of the week. Actually, it's the greatest news you'll ever hear for the rest of your life. So let that sink in for a second. If you have never done that, 
I want you to do that. Because the rest of this morning, we're going to reveal truths that Paul is about to expound upon that are blessings and truths for believers in Jesus. That being said, if you're a professing believer this morning, let me tell you, all I got good news for you. You are not condemned, but instead found in Christ Jesus, freed from the law of sin and death. You are given the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and new life in Jesus. No longer are you to be living unto the flesh, but unto Christ. Which leads us to our first point this morning of two points this morning. That if you are a believer in Jesus, you now have new life in the Spirit. This new life is different from the old life. That means that the wants and desires of the old life are gone. You now have a new want and a new desire. The way you live your life is supposed to and should change for the good. You no longer are living for yourself, but are living for God. Look with me at verse 5 through 8 of Romans chapter 8. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You see, Paul here is describing two ways of living. He's describing a flesh living and a life living, a spirit living. The flesh living has a really harsh destination, let me tell you. All it has is death. Let me tell you, you don't want that. Because the person who that is, is the one who doesn't believe in Jesus, hasn't trusted him as Lord and Savior of their life. This one doesn't have the new life found in the Spirit. And for sake of understanding it this morning, I'm going to title it The Old Life Without the Spirit. You see, this old life without the Spirit was hostile. It couldn't please God no matter how hard you tried. You are not good enough to please God. If that's a shock, let that sink in for a second. On top of it, the old life didn't belong to God. So it had nothing to do with God. And ultimately, in the end, was leading to death. This way of living would have ended in death. And has no hope. The good news, though, is that Paul didn't decide to stop there either. He didn't stop with just describing an old life or a flesh living. He instead goes on to describe a spirit-filled life, spirit-filled living. Look with me at verse 6 and then 9 and then 11. Verse 6 says, The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Then look at verse 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Then look at verse 11. 
And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit who lives in you. Notice that Paul then changes to this new spirit-filled life. You see, the new life with the spirit has life now and in the future. You see, this life now is something that you get to live into. You get to grow with God. You get to understand what that life is supposed to look like, unlike the old life before. But you also have life in the future, meaning that one day when we get reunited with Christ, you have eternal life for all of eternity. On top of it, the new life now has peace. You see, the old life, no matter how hard you try, never really, you don't have a peace living, like, feeling about it, right? Nothing is good. Like, even when you try to do good, you don't find peace in it. It just didn't work. However, this new life, you find peace. And last but not least, this new life with the Spirit, you find belonging. And I'm going to go into that a little bit later. But just know that's what you get, you believer, what you have in this new life. However, this new life is far greater than just giving life and getting peace and having belonging because you also get the Spirit, and the Spirit works in you. Look with me at verse 13, or 12 and 13. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it's not to the flesh, to live according to it. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the Spirit and put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Well, Paul uses that nice word again of therefore again, right? Meaning that I'm going to follow up on what I've just been saying about this new life. He says that there is an obligation, or as I might say, a new responsibility, but it's not to the flesh. It's to the new life that he just got done describing. You see, if you live by the old life, you will die. You have no hope. You have destruction and brokenness. However, if you live by the new life and the work of the Holy Spirit is being done in you, then you are to put the deeds of the old life to death. It's more than just having a new life. It's about having action, as Paul says. John Stott says it this way. If temptation comes to us through what we see, what we handle, or visit, then we must be ruthless and not looking, not touching, not going, and in so controlling the very approaches of sin. Positively, we are to set our minds on the things of the Spirit, set our hearts on things above, and occupy our thoughts on what is noble, right, pure, and lovely. In this way, mortification and aspiration are counterparts. You see, the old life was full of sin. And really, all it did was bring brokenness and no hope. To anyone's life, leading in death. However, when you have a new life, you're called to do more than just, all right, thanks, Jesus, I got the gift. Onward and upward with my life. 
No, you're called to live out a life that is now turning from sin, saying no to sin. As John Stott would say, using mortification, putting evil to death, being ruthless and saying, I am done with that. I want nothing else of it. And instead, I want to aspire to what God wants for my life. I want to hunger and thirst for what is good. You see, there's a thought out there in the world today, and sometimes it's even been said in the Christian realm, that as long as I come to faith in Jesus, before I die, I can live however I want. I can do whatever I want. It doesn't really matter as long as I have Jesus. I'm sorry, that's wrong. It does matter how you live your life as a follower and believer of Jesus. You see, your life is supposed to and should reflect the ways of God. You shouldn't want to be going back to those websites that you know are wrong. You shouldn't want to go around and slander others when they aren't around. You don't want to lie to your wife or your coworkers anymore because you now know that your life has a higher calling. You have a new life found in the Spirit because of Jesus. All right, if you still don't get me, let me give you a little bit of an object lesson. I'm a children's pastor, so I like to do things a little bit different. So, give me one second. And no, this is not lemonade. All right, so a week ago we had VBS. It was a really great week, let me tell you. But the first thing that happened to VBS was probably the most powerful thing that happened all week. You see, the kids were told that there were two kingdoms. There was the good kingdom and the bad kingdom. Or in light of our sermon this morning, you have the spirit-filled life or the flesh evil life. Okay? And we asked the kids, we said, well... When you were born, were you born into the good kingdom or were you born into the bad kingdom? You know how many of the kids raised their hand and said, well, I was born into the good kingdom. I'm a good kid. They were shocked to find out that they were not, you were not born into the good kingdom. They thought their water was pure and clean and drinkable, right? Instead, now... I'm using coffee this morning to represent sin. Coffee is not a sin. Please hear me say that, okay? You're going to understand why I'm using it here in a second. All right. Now, instead of being in the good kingdom when they were born, they had sin in their life. They were born into brokenness. You, born into brokenness. So instead of being pure and clean... This awful murky water is what represents you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to drink that. It's awful. Same thing with, do you really want to stay in this life? No. And that's why Jesus, God's son, was sent to die on the cross, to ultimately live a perfect life, so that way if you believe in him, that he died not on the cross, not only on the cross for some people, but he did it for you, you would be made pure and clean. Now, I have a pitcher of water. In all reality, the pitcher of water is like the ocean. 
It's never ending and forever filling you. So watch this. That's what happens when you come to faith. That's the new life that you find when you find Christ. But on top of that, Paul tells us that that's awesome. Great job. You got new life. But you're not supposed to come back to this. This is supposed to stay over where it belongs without you. You are to say no more. I am done. I'm putting it to death. I want my life to be with God. I want my life to represent God. I'm done with the sin. All right. If you still don't know what I'm saying, commentator Tony Merida puts it this way. For many people, you th many people think you have to give up pleasure to pursue holiness. But you actually find pleasure in the pursuit. You find life. You find joy. Sin never satisfies and gives life. But living for the glory of God by the Spirit of God is the path to true and lasting joy. You see, sin never actually gave you joy. Sin never gave you hope. Sin only ever brought death and destruction. So instead, pursue Christ. Pursue the things of God and put those things to death. Say, I'm done. No more. Your pursuit of holiness or turning from that sin and temptation is something that you might think that you can do on your own, right? Oh, I'm a strong guy. I can do it. I don't need anybody's help. Heh, <laughs> wrong. You can't do it on your own. As hard as you think you can try to live a perfect life, we still live in a broken world. And that's why God didn't say, well, good luck with that. He actually said, here, I'm going to give you tools to turn from your sin, turn from the brokenness, and change direction. Run to God. Those tools he gave are called the armor of God. We talked about those also during VBS a week ago. Each piece of the armor has a specific purpose and is meant for you to use to defend and defeat the sins and temptations of your old life so that you can live the new life that is found in God, live into what the Spirit wants for you. Paul wrote about the armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 to 17. You don't have to turn there. I'm putting it on the slide. And he says, Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, 
which is the word of God. Each piece of the armor wasn't just given so you could go, cool, all right, I'm going to put it in my bag and I'll try to remember to use it today. It was meant for you to put it on right away when you wake up in the morning and say, all right, God, I'm ready to fight this battle with you today. Not by myself. I need you. And that's why I want to tell you about each piece really fast. You see, the belt of truth, the belt of truth is God's word. You see, God's word wasn't given to you just to set it on a bookshelf or to say, oh, I've got one. Thanks. It was meant for you to use to find out what the truth really is. The breastplate of righteousness, living life correctly, that helps not only protect your major organs, and they're kind of important, right? Like, you know, you don't want anything bad to happen. But on top of it, it helps you to live an honorable life. Shoes of peace, they help you to stand firm. They help you to ultimately find ways to stand up for God and to be able to find ways to share the good news of Jesus. The shield of faith, protection from attacks of evil. You can use it to stand firm in knowing that your faith is real. It is true. No matter what the world tells you or what Satan likes to whisper in your ear, your faith is real. Believe it. The helmet of salvation, it protects your mind. It keeps your thoughts on things of God keeping your mind away from the things of this world. Sword of the Spirit. Guess what? It's God's Word again. The Bible. But you want to use it to learn everything there is to know that God wrote down to another audience, but wrote it for you. To learn what He wanted you to know. These tools are meant to help you in your everyday fight against sin and pleasures of sin. Because ultimately, when you do that, when you live out a life founded upon the truth that Jesus did it for you, and then founded upon that you want to live a new life, that's when change happens in your life. You see, you start living a different way. And it's because the Spirit now is working in you. And ultimately, it's your life starts to di display fruits of the Spirit. And those were written down in Galatians, and we're not going to flip there this morning, but let me just tell you what those fruits of the Spirit are. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Each of these lived out and fully known in a person's life is a true testament to a changed life. That's why it's so important to want to live into this new life found in Christ and changed by the Holy Spirit. No longer wanting the life that was once broken or unsecure. Instead, living for what is true love. Living for what is true joy and true peace. Because when you do that, when you have that new life, you get this second part, our second point this morning. That through this new life, you now belong and are adopted into God's family. 
Look with me at verses 14 and 17 of this morning's passage. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you can live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. You see, Paul leads right off in this ending part of our passage this morning by describing the believer, the one who is led by and filled with the new life of the Spirit. They are now called children of God. They no longer are children of darkness or of this world, lost and broken with no hope or place to belong. They are now secure. They belong to God and are given a hope and an eternal future. Even said to have been adopted to sonship. What a powerful idea and identity changing thought. That being you here this morning, believer, you here who have put your full trust in Jesus, you are now in God's family. You are now God's child. You are now his son or daughter. Your identity in life not only is now connected to God, but should now reflect God. You see, Pastor Kale talked a little bit about identity last week when he said, your true identity is in the fact that you are chosen, you are loved, you are uniquely and divinely designed, bought with a price, welcomed into God's family. Remember that through your new life in the Spirit, you are not only able, with God's help, to live this new life and say no to sin and temptation, but you also have the tools, with God's help, to say I'm done with that life. I want my life to represent God. While also, you are now and forever called God's child. Dearly and deeply loved by your heavenly father. You are able to have a relationship with him that's not just him being a judge or a jury. He is now father. You can cry out to him. You are now able to have a relationship with him, and he wants to draw near to you. He already knows everything about you, but he wants to know even more. That is why having a new life and a new family for all eternity is one of the greatest things you will ever receive as a believer in Jesus. In light of this great hope and newness, I have two ways for you to apply this message this morning. The first one, if you're sitting here this morning and, or are watching online and you have never trusted and believed Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, today's the day. I want you to be able to relish and be able to experience what it means to be a part of God's family what it means to have a new life that's not dominated by the brokenness and messed up part of our world that ultimately leads to death. 
I want you a part of God's family. God wants you a part of God's family. So if you want to do that today or you want to ask more questions about it, find me after service. I'd love to talk to you more about it. Find Pastor Chris. Find somebody else that you know here. Talk with them. Believer, be excited to have that conversation. Because that means that somebody else is now becoming another son or daughter of the king. However, if you're sitting here this morning and, well, I've been a believer for like 70 years. Or I gave my life to Christ last week after Kale's message. Amazing! Rejoice in the fact that you are now God's child. Revel in the fact that God loves you. And he wants you to come near to him. But on top of that, you have a higher calling now. You have to say no to sin and temptation in your life. But know that through the power of the Spirit, you can say no and you should say no. Remember to put on the armor of God every single day, knowing that whenever something creeps up in your life, you can look at it and go, (laughs) you think I need you? I got God. I don't need that sin. I'm done with that. That's amazing. Do that. Don't leave here and go, all right, well, I'll do the best I can. You know, I'm not perfect. Know that, yes, you might not be perfect, but God helps you to say no and that you now want a new life with God. With that, will you pray with me?